Your kids are younger than mine, Phil. Do they still watch Sesame Street? No, no, they don't watch Sesame Street anymore. They were never big Sesame Street fans, but I loved it as a kid. Okay, so did I. So you're familiar with the show, and you'll probably know this segment. It goes like this. One of these things is not like the others. One of these things doesn't belong. Can you tell which thing is not like the other by the time I finish this song? Miss Baldwin. Miss Baldwin, guilty. Mr. Johnson. Mr. Johnson, not guilty. Mr. Romney. Mr. Romney, guilty. Oh, okay. That was fun. It's kind of a trick question, so think before you answer. Which one of those three verdicts on Donald Trump is not like the others? Tammy Baldwin's, Ron Johnson's, or Mitt Romney's? Ooh, ooh, uh... Mitt Romney's not like Johnson and Baldwin because he's not from Wisconsin. Oh, <laughs> I almost thought you had it. <laughs> what is it, Scott? All right. I guess you're right that Romney is different that he's not from Wisconsin. But I was talking about the verdicts. I thought I would trick you into saying that Ron Johnson is the one who's different because he voted not guilty this week in the impeachment trial. And the other two, Tammy Baldwin and Mitt Romney, voted guilty. But I think the correct answer is that Mitt Romney is the one who is different because he is the first U.S. senator in the history of this country who has voted to convict a president of his own party. But enough about Mitt Romney. Donald Trump said he's a loser anyway. So, I mean, (laughs) how about we talk about our guys from Wisconsin? Our two Wisconsin senators both voted along party lines. And we'll talk about their decisions, including audio clips from Tammy Baldwin's floor speech and a Ron Johnson phone call with reporters on today's Center Stage with Milford and Hands, the Wisconsin State Journal's political podcast from the Sensible Center of Wisconsin Politics. I'm Scott Milford. I'm the editorial page editor for the State Journal. And I'm Phil Hands. I'm the editorial cartoonist for the Wisconsin State Journal. And we are half of the State Journal editorial board. The better looking half. Before we dive into our guys... Timmy Baldwin and Ron Johnson. I just wanted to say that you know Mitt Romney stole the show, and I wish that the House managers who are trying this impeachment in the in the Senate would have like roped him into actually making their closing <laughs> statement for them or any statement for them because yeah. he said in six minutes on national television very succinctly what the president did wrong and why it was wrong and made a very convincing case. the The House managers talked for twenty four hours. And it was so convoluted and confusing, nobody could figure out what was going on. Yeah, here's just a snippet from Romney. The grave question the Constitution tasks senators to answer is whether the president committed an act so extreme and egregious that it rises to the level of a high crime and misdemeanor. Yes, he did. The president asked a foreign government to investigate his political rival. The president withheld vital military funds from that government to press it to do so. The president delayed funds for an American ally at war with Russian invaders. The president's purpose was personal and political. Accordingly, the president is guilty of an appalling abuse of public trust. What he did was not perfect. No, it was a flagrant assault on our electoral rights our national security, and our fundamental values. Corrupting an election to keep oneself in office 
is perhaps the most abusive and destructive violation of one's oath of office that I can imagine. Tammy Baldwin, our junior senator from Wisconsin, also gave a speech on the final day of the trial. Ron Johnson did not. He chose not to. He's not a man of speeches. He's more of a man of <laughs> arguing with reporters on national television. <laughs> Rodney stole the show on the last day of the impeachment trial, but Romney's not our guy. So we're going to talk about our senators, Tammy Baldwin and Ron Johnson, and their reaction to the impeachment trial. They weren't exactly like each other. <laughs> one voted no, one voted yes, one spoke on the floor, one didn't speak. She's not known as the most scintillating speaker of all time, but uh, she made an interesting point when she sort of rhetorically defended Ron Johnson's I know. right to the truth. She's just looking up she's just looking out for her buddy Ron. As reported just weeks after the Zelensky call, President Trump told Ambassador Bolton in August that he wanted to continue freezing $391 million in security assistance to Ukraine until they helped with the political investigations. Had Ambassador Bolton testified to these facts in this trial, it would directly contradict what the President told Senator Johnson in a phone call on August 31, 2019, where, according to Senator Johnson, the President said, I would never do that. Who told you that? All right, Tammy Bolton really cleaned up the language of that phone call. <laughs> According to Johnson, President Trump used two expletives when he said no way to a quid pro quo. It wasn't quite as polite as, as Tammy Baldwin uh, paraphrased it. Well, there. that's because Donald Trump's not Wisconsin nice like Tammy Baldwin. John Bolton not only has direct evidence that implicates President Trump in a corrupt abuse of power, he has direct evidence that President Trump lied to one of our colleagues in an attempt to cover it up. It may not matter to this Senate, but I can tell you it matters to the people of the state of Wisconsin that this president did not tell their senator the truth. I'm not so sure Wisconsin cares about Donald Trump telling everyone the truth because the guy has been documented to lie or mislead at least 16,000 times during his first three years, according to the Washington Post fact checker. And he's still neck and neck with the Democrats in the polls here in Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, it is nice that Tammy Baldwin stood up for her, you know, her her colleague from Wisconsin, you know, Ron Johnson. Like, you shouldn't be lying to our to your senators. I mean, yeah. Ron Johnson doesn't seem to care that he was lied to. <laughs> no. And I mean, what's, what's so funny about Ron Johnson, I mean, this whole incident, like, we're, you know, well, how do you know there's no quid pro quo? And Ron Johnson, well, Trump said so, which is different than every other time he opens his mouth when he's documented to have been lying. This was kind of the meat of Tammy's speech where she tried to turn it around and say, hey, he's doing this to us and as senators. The institution of the Senate. He's yeah. lying to the Senate. Based on the facts presented to us, I refuse to join this president's cover-up, and I refuse to conclude that the president's abuse of power doesn't matter, that it's okay, and that we should just get over it. It just doesn't matter. It just <laughs> doesn't matter. Ooh, you're channeling Bill Murray from Meatballs. I tell you, it just doesn't matter! 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 It just 
just doesn't matter because the Senate will acquit. I'm afraid that the majority is putting this president above the law by not convicting him of these impeachable offenses. But let's be clear, this is not an exoneration of President Trump. It is a failure to show moral courage and hold this president accountable. Now, every American will have a power to make their own judgment. Every American gets to decide what is in our public interest. We, the people, get to choose what is in our national interest. I trust the American people. I know they will be guided by our common good and the truth. The people we work for know what the truth is, and they know in America it matters. Even though our editorial board didn't come down on the impeachment question precisely the way Tammy Baldwin did, she kind of got to the same conclusion we did there, which is she trusts the people to decide in the fall and to boot Trump out of office. Yeah. And that was essentially our editorial a few weeks ago on impeachment. We were disappointed that the House didn't call John Bolton and subpoena him to appear. Yeah, and litigate for other witnesses and, and such. It would have been nice to hear from him. Yeah. And it really undercut the Democrats to be demanding that he be called when fellow Democrats in the House didn't call him. Yeah, I, I feel like the Democrats in the House really did sort of it was really hard to make the argument that we have to rush through this and get this done as fast as possible. And then Nancy Pelosi sat on the articles for two or three weeks over the Christmas holiday. And then as soon as it got to the Senate, they're like, well, we need more information. And while I think there's plenty of information that Trump was corrupt and did really bad things and abused his power as president, yeah. you know, they didn't convince the American people. Uh, you did have some speakers on the Republican side like Lindsey Graham, who threw it back at him, he said, you have unleashed the partisan forces of hell. That's a good Lindsey Graham impersonation. <laughs> Not as good as uh, on Saturday Night Live. Can we play Lindsey Graham's address about Bill Clinton's impeachment back in 1998? Yeah, it goes the exact opposite way, doesn't it? It sure does. And, you know, I thought one of the most honest comments during this last day came from Chris Murphy, Democratic senator from Connecticut, where he basically admitted some doubt about whether he is a Democrat would convict a Democratic president if this situation were in reverse. Would we have the courage to stand up to our base, to our political supporters, to vote to remove a Democratic president who had chosen to trade away the safety of the nation for political help? It would not be easy. No, the easy thing to do would be to just do what's happening today, to box our ears, close our eyes, and just hope the corruption goes away. And so I've thought a lot about this question over these past two days, and I've come to the conclusion that at least for me, I would hold the Democrat to the same standard. I would vote to remove. But I admit to some level of doubt, and I think that I need to be honest about that, because the pressures today to put party first are real on both sides of the aisle, and they are much more acute today than they were during Watergate. It's with that reality as context that I prepare to vote today. I believe that the president's crimes are worthy of removal. Let's be honest. This is a way easier call for Tammy Baldwin to say, yes, I want to get rid of Trump than for Ron Johnson, who's up for reelection in two years, to go against Trump. 
No, yeah, I mean, I mean, he pr- especially he'd be primaried. It's easy. It's also really easy, just mathematically, to vote to convict him to go with your party when you know it's not going to actually happen. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, a good point. You know, like there's no chance of it actually happening. We should also note that Tammy Baldwin's bar for impeachment is low. Back when George W. Bush was about to leave office, Tammy Baldwin wanted to impeach him too. Now let's go to Ron Johnson. Here's what he told Wisconsin reporters about not speaking on the floor of the Senate at the end of the impeachment trial. We're actually being somewhat discouraged from going on the floor because a lot of senators want to go speak. Uh, so we don't have to do mid, midnight or past midnight type sessions. So I don't make a whole lot of speeches on the floor. I'm, I'm not all that wild about speaking to an empty chamber. So what, I've, what I have done is I've already written the statement that I will be entering into the record. He said in his statement, quote, Impeachment should be reserved for the most serious of offenses, where the risk to our democracy simply cannot wait for the voters' next decision. That was not the case here. Here's another clip from his interview with Wisconsin reporters earlier this week. One thing that uh, uh, I think was, was, I think, distorted by the, the, the House managers was that, you know, this was critical you know, time critical. This this funding had to flow. I mean, Ukrainians were were fighting and dying, and because uh, this this money this support didn't flow, you know, more more the implication was that more Ukrainians died. Nothing could be further from the truth. I think the White House counsel did a pretty good job of explaining that this was pretty typical. That this type of support was generally obligated, not even spent, but obligated toward the tail end of, of previous fiscal years. Uh, this president supplied the javelin. Uh, anti-tank missiles. That, that changed the balance. Th- those missiles were still there. So it, it, as, as I was listening to the House closing arguments, I, I was kind of thinking of different adjectives about uh, uh, their case, and, and one of them was, was overblown. Uh, they were making a mountain out of a molehill here. And again, that, that's why I don't think we, it certainly didn't rise to the level of impeachment, and certainly didn't rise to the level of having an impeachment trial. I would say he's right about that. I mean, I, I think the actual the actual effect of the funding pause, the actual effect of it was was minimal in terms of what the actual battlefield effect on Ukraine was. The idea of the president using that as a as a tool to pressure another government is the big deal for me. And he seems to be ignoring that and ignoring Tammy Baldwin's point that the president did lie to him. The president has said on camera that he, as part of the call with the Ukrainian president, he did hope that the investigation of the Bidens would occur. He wanted a political favor for the military help. Both sides have been really sort of impeachment is just like a trial until it's not. You know, if you look at the, how the impeachment yeah. is written into the into the Constitution, it's very wishy-washy. There's no, there's no. You don't have to have a crime committed. There's, it's 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 completely a political process. And the right, first of all, wants the left to somehow prove a crime. Like the, you know, the Republicans kept saying, mm-hmm. "There's no crime here. There's no crime here. There's no statutory crimes. So you can't yeah. impeach him." And and I think the Democrats rightly said, "Well, you don't need to have an actual statutory crime to have an impeachable offense." Yeah. And then, but on the flip side, Republicans say, well, sure, there were some things he did that was bad, but it wasn't up to the level of impeachment. And now the left's saying, well, if he did something bad, you must impeach. I have some sympathy for the argument that Ron Johnson and some of the other Republicans are making, which is that we're only nine months from election where voters will either throw him out or keep him. Yeah. And um, voters who will have had the chance to read John Bolton's book coming out in March. (laughs) Yeah. But... What really bugs me, and if I had a vote on this, what would 
push me to to convict him would be that he's never Donald Trump has never acknowledged doing anything wrong. I mean, generally, but in this point, yeah, he's never but, anything wrong ever in his life. But in in this instance, the idea that it is perfect to have a foreign government under threat of not getting hundreds of millions of hours of military aid, urging them to go after your political opponent in the upcoming election, that's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. And these Republicans have never demanded that Trump even kind of glance at being wrong or that I won't do it again. Or some sort of contrition or statement that, uh, you know what, that kind of goofed that one up. And really sorry, not going to happen again. I'm not going to meddle our democracy anymore. Yeah, and it's sort of like, let's say Ron Johnson, a kid threw a baseball, and it went and broke a nice window on Ron Johnson's home, God forbid. And he's got a nice house. <laughs> yeah, up in Oshkosh. And, you know, he has some sympathy for the kid. He's a good kid. But, you know, the kid just won't admit that he caused the problem or that he did anything wrong. Yeah. Uh, do you think Ron Johnson would say, well... Okay, it's not that big a deal. No. No, he would want him to say, because he be I'm sorry, I won't do it again. That was wrong. Because Ron Johnson believes in personal responsibility <laughs> yes. and taking responsibility for your actions. Unless and, it's Donald Trump, apparently. Unless it's Donald Trump. Yeah. There have been some Republicans, like Lamar Alexander, who has said, yeah, yeah it was wrong, but it's not impeachable. Well, and uh, last week on Meet the Press, he was pressed on that question, and Lamar Alexander said, well, he's going to have a State of the Union speech, so implying that he may take some responsibility. Well, I didn't hear any of that in the have State you of the met Union. Do have you met Donald Trump? <laughs> take responsibility for his actions? He never does that. So I think President Trump has done stuff that is impeachable. Mm -hmm. And could have been impeached. I think so too for the, for abusing power and especially for you know upholding with holding this funding and then pressuring another foreign country to to do your dirty work and try and run another opponent through the mud. That's impeachable stuff. You know you should be able to get impeached in that. Now I think the House Democrats. I don't think I would have voted for impeachment in the, if I had been a congressman in the House because there was all this evidence that hadn't come out yet, and they would just sort mm -hmm. of wanted us to believe that it was all there. And that we didn't need to see all this evidence because Trump was, I mean, Trump was blocking the evidence, which makes mm -hmm. it sound like it was really good evidence. I think ultimately, too, you need to get most of the public on your side. And that wasn't really the case here. Polling suggests it was around 50-50. I think more people. 50-50 is not enough to impeach a president, though. You need 67 votes in the Senate. Exactly. And I think calling those witnesses, which the Senate should have done, subpoenaing Bolton, which the House should have done, would have got us a lot closer to either convincing the public that this president does need to go now or convincing the public that, no, he doesn't need to go now. We'll have the election in the fall. Yeah, I mean, the way it's played out, there's still a lot of unanswered questions, which I guess is good for both sides, but not good for the truth and our democracy and our institutions. Yeah, I'd say generally on this speech by Baldwin, she didn't do too bad. I don't think she'll make the highlight clips. This is going down in history of one of the great <laughs> speeches of the 21st century. I have no doubt they wanted her to speak. Uh, she got a pretty prominent space on the last day to speak because she is from Wisconsin. She is popular here. She did win Big. by a large margin in the last election. So, it, she is more popular in Wisconsin than Donald Trump is. Yeah. Don't tell Donald Trump that. He doesn't believe it. <laughs> so ultimately, it is going to be left up to the voters. It, it sounds like Baldwin, Ron Johnson, and the State Journal Editorial Board agree on that. 
I occasionally run into Tammy Baldwin in downtown Madison. Do you ever run into Tammy Baldwin in downtown? She, she, I, yeah, she's I haven't around. in a while, but once, yeah, grocery store on State Street or something, coffee yeah. shop. Yeah. I saw her at Collectivo Coffee Shop on the square a couple years ago and just bumped into her and, and I said hi to her and she said, oh, Phil Hans, the cartoonist, I love your cartoons. Even when you make fun of me, it's, it's great. My favorite cartoon you did was you drew me in bed with Ron Johnson at one point. And I don't and like I don't remember what the cartoon was about, but she's like, that was hilarious. And I, keep up the good work. Keep making fun of both of us. It is remarkable how many of the politicians that come in don't hold a grudge against you, Phil. <laughs> they just don't <laughs> like you. Our house band is Tube Tester. Find and follow Center Stage with Milford and Hands on your favorite podcasting app or go to go.madison.com slash center stage.